from behind the lens and behind the microphone. Welcome to the podcast that takes you inside the world of Western sports and beyond from a different perspective. This is Starched with your hosts, Garrison Allen and Clay Gardner. Well, guys, I know we've taken a little bit of time off, but Starch Podcast is back with the GOAT, the one and only, the man who's been 10 times Bullfighter of the Year, 15 times worked the NFR, Dusty Tuckness is in studio with us today. Dusty, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, man, appreciate having me. Yeah. Yeah, so you rodeo about as hard as any Bullfighter does. Tell us about where you've kind of been, where you're going here soon before we get into the nitty gritty of everything. Yeah, so, uh, man, I've been just overly blessed to be able to get to live this, you know, uh, childhood dream out. But, uh, you, you know, we start the year out down south in Texas, usually Odessa, and then that trickles into Fort Worth, Tucson, Houston. Um, that kind of takes up the majority of your winter run, the big winter indoor rodeos. And then the spring, we can go all different places in the spring, been to Red Bluff. Uh, a lot of times we do a lot of different uh, velocity bull ridings, PBR events. So coast to coast, border to border, um, everything kind of changes depending on their schedule throughout the year in the spring. Uh, find our way down to Corpus Christi, and then uh, we kick things started uh, for the summer run. You know, the, the big start of the summer run really is when Reno kicks off the end of June. So uh, get to go to Reno and Cody Casper, Vernal, Cheyenne, Dodge City, and start making our way up to the Northwest, Gooding, Kennewick, Ellensburg, Fort Madison, Pendleton, you know, Sioux Falls this year. Uh, we're just, uh, yeah, from basically start of the year to the end of the year, we, we like to stay busy. Um, you don't have to uh, worry about me trying to sit at home any, you know, throughout the season. I like to, I like to get after it. I like to put some, put some miles on, put some performances on. And I think at the end of the day, the guys that want to do it like that and, and are willing to, to go all, all day, all year long are, are those guys that you really see excel and do well. So do you, uh, you get to fight in Wyoming a decent amount or not anymore since, since you're going to all the bigger ones? Yeah, so my July, a lot of my July is in Wyoming. So Cody, uh, Casper, and Cheyenne, uh, three great events. Um, the only one really in Cheyenne that um, I don't get to work uh, that I would definitely like to one day, which probably won't be able to as they cross with each other. But uh, Sheridan Wild is another really good rodeo. Um, but, man, I can't, uh, I can't write a script better for a July run than what I have. So, and being from the state of Wyoming and be able to, start up by Cody over the 4th of July, um, where I'm from, uh, um, and then trickle down to the central part of the state in Casper, big college town, great central fair and rodeo. And then, you know, go down to the South, uh, East corner there at the daddy of them all. And, you know, that's a, that's a dream rodeo for everybody. I don't care what you do, uh, personnel contestant, <laughs> you know, volunteer, whatever. Uh, um, that's just something that's uh, pretty, pretty special. And, uh, unique about that place and uh, man to be able to be a part of that event and um, you know if uh, that can't get your motor running your woods wet so <laughs> what uh where at in Wyoming are you from and do you still live in that same hometown uh so I grew up in a little town of south of Cody in Matitsi Wyoming um, oh yeah it's a little population town about 350 and 
uh, you know, went to high school there, went to college up in Powell, and then lived in Cody for several years. And now I'm I'm uh, basing out of Oklahoma right now, just with my rodeo schedule, my rodeo run. Um, so usually in the summer, a little bit in June, most of July I'm in Wyoming, and then uh, you know, in the uh, usually after Chase Hawks, uh, which would be the end of December, you know, we make it back through Wyoming for a little bit. So. It's always good to get back home and, and see everybody and uh, kind of spend some family time when I can get the chance to. But like I've always told people, the more you're home, the less you're employed. So um, the more we're, we're on the road, it's, uh, you know, got to be a good thing. You know, they're, um, you know, wanting us to be a part of their event. So that's just a blessing of itself. Yeah. Um, I want to touch base on this, like, because this, I mean, a lot of states aren't like this, but Wyoming is very supportive, like, I mean, you, you wear Wyoming on your, on your jerseys and stuff. And I, I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, on their social media, they talk about you and things like that. I mean, it's like people know like, Oh, Dusty from Wyoming. I mean, a lot of, a lot of other contestants and, in, in you know, personnel, like you don't know where they're from, but it's so super cool that the state is supportive like that. Yeah, man. Uh, it, to, to not only come from the Cowboys state, uh, and you know, we're one of the smaller States out of the lower 48 for sure. And, but we're just, you know, you don't know a stranger there, you know, you're always, you know, lending a hand and just the core values of that state are pretty special. But yeah, in 2004, I believe it was Kelly Tim- Timberman, world champion bareback rider, um, from Mills, Wyoming, you know, he, he brought the, the, the idea to some board of directors and Diane and, and the tourism board about, doing something with the rodeo athletic side of things. And obviously it struck some interest. And so how, how the whole Wyoming team goes, um, you had to, you know, uh, to basically be eligible to be on the team is you got to at least qualify at least one time to the NFR. Um, and then from there, you know, you're kind of grandfathered in more or less, um, as long as you're rodeoing and going and, and each and every year, you know, they, they want to make it better for us and, you know, what worked, what didn't work. Um, and so the support from the state of Wyoming, as you've seen over several years, have it's grown like the Thomas and Mack center. Um, you know, you see the Wyoming signs all over. You know, um, they've got a big supporting system. They do a big Wyoming breakfast um, the first Friday of the NFR, you know, gathering, you know, everybody from Wyoming, whether you're a contestant, a committee, a volunteer, you got a booth out there. And several people come that, that aren't even from Wyoming because, you know, they're just kind of become family of Wyoming. Um, but on top of that, they, they don't even, they don't just uh, take care of their, uh, you know, professional athletes. They've actually trickled down into the, the collegiate ranks. So you see several uh, regions um, uh, through Wyoming and that where, where they're supporting their uh, college athletics and their program and, and everything. So it's just really cool to be a part of a state that, that tro- shows true good Western values, but also, you know, lends a hand to the, the those athletes that are going up and down the road and uh it's, it's great to be a part of right well i know i love wyoming they got sports gambling there so <laughs> <laughs> clay goes through there at 85 miles an hour and he's just trying to place a bet real quick no, i slow down and i start going through this and get my bets in <laughs> what uh 
how did you start fighting bulls? Let's let's re- rewind the clock a little bit. How did you get your start? Where did you want to start fighting bulls? Yeah, so uh, for me, um, you know, I grew up around the roadie world my whole life. You know, my dad fought bulls, and, and he was a roadie contestant. He still works the barrel a little bit to this day. Um, my mom is involved in rodeo as well. So, uh, and my grandparents are in the racehorse world. So I was always involved in the Western lifestyle. Um, and you know, the long story short is just put dad's shoes on one day, never looked back. But I think for every kid as a young, you know, everybody got dreams or I don't know, even know if you'd, you'd call them ambitions, um, at that age, but you, you know, what you want to do when you grow up. And I don't think at that young of an age, you really take a hold of what it could actually be, you know, because we're still developing physically and in our mind as well at a young age. But uh, so at a young age, I know I was drawn to the sport. I liked it. It was fun. There's something neat about it. Um, <clears throat> but for me, I think the realization really started to set in a little bit my sophomore year in high school. Uh, you know, I feel we all got a plan uh, uh, that God's given us in life. And um, for you know, it's up to us to find them and, and establish those gifts and, and grow in those areas in our life. And um, it was really in my sophomore year, my freshman year, I, I had a pretty bad wreck. You know, if, if I said the other day, maybe in another podcast, that if there's a story that kind of told my story, it would probably start around 2006, 2007 when I got my card. And, and then that's kind of when people kind of started seeing my career grow, I guess you would say. But before then, I, you know, I went through a lot of adversity. You know, I, I grew up into the rodeo world, two older brothers. I was a sports uh, person. I was actually supposed to go to college for football, um, ended up, you know, choosing the rodeo route. But, uh, you know, my freshman year in high school, I got in a pretty bad wreck and really opened my eyes what this sport can and could do to you. And uh, right. it got bad enough for me that I actually had to leave the arena. Um, one of the next events I worked, like, uh, just fear and nerves just overcome me and I, I literally couldn't couldn't physically put myself in that arena like it was just such a head game for me but my sophomore year in high school uh you know I went to a rodeo bible camp and for the only reason for that was to try to overcome this obstacle that I was dealing with to fight bulls yeah. um at the end of the at the end of the story of that part was you know uh, I ended up changing my life. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior in my life. And, and that was a whole a game changer for me. You know, I understand I had a purpose. I had a will. I had, I had a, a reason for life um, that, uh, that we were made to be more than conquerors. And, and ever since then, I started kind of crawling out of that funk. But it was just really the realization of what, uh, that, that, I'm, that I'm a child of God and, and uh, was starting to believe it and see it and act on you know, the work you put in is, you know, the things that you'll get out of it. And so it was really then is when I, I guess I started kind of realizing like, you know, I think there's, there's something more to this. And then in 2006, I got my card. And then from there, you're still kind of like, man, you got dreams and ambitions to, you know, work this rodeo or meet this person or, you know, you want to be at the NFR, you want to be a world champion, you want to do all these things. But a lot of times at that age, it just seems like it's in a different world. And it's crazy to look back and reflect on things that I've been a part of in my career at this point that 
some of those things, you know, I've been able to participate in and it's just overwhelming. It humbles me. Um, you know, I just, uh, you know, my message that I try to give to everybody that, you know, I'm just a kid that, that didn't take no for an answer, ch chased his dream. And, and I'm no different than anybody else that's wanting to achieve their goals. Um, right. You know, we've all got the opportunity, and, and especially today's age, with all the different access we have to schools and social media and video content and and just the exposure of the sport itself. So, um, probably, I'd probably say about 2007, eight, when it really started setting in. Like, I think, I think, uh, I think we're going to chase this, and chase is hard. You know, so it was through high school, through college, and, and at that point, I was like, you know, um, kind of a cliche deal. After my my wreck and accident, I was starting to crawl out of that funk a little bit. Like I said, I gave my life to the Lord, and um, I was working an event right. with my dad in, in Red Lodge, Montana, and he told me, he said, you know, son, if you're going to do this, you might as well be try to be the best. And, and I, you know, I can remember like that was yesterday. So for me, you know, just holding on to those little things. Um, and, uh, you know, consistently pursuing excellence is, I think, what's, you know, um, going to get you where you want to be. And you got to take an account for those hard days, too. You know, it's not just going to be an easy road. Um, you got to accept the challenges. You got to prepare yourself for those hard days. You know, know that they're going to come. So when, when you do encounter them, um, you know, you're already aware of them. Um, so right. know there's going to be hard days to get to where you want to be on, uh, just embrace embrace the grind and um but yeah that's kind of a little bit of my story kind of a short version <laughs> no i love it that was awesome um through, through all that what what it was it really just the the mental side do you think that was the, the hardest part i mean i you said you were an athlete and everything so that probably came somewhat natural other than you know keep working on your craft and working out and stuff but the mental side like like you said, you, uh, you know, being, being part of the Lord and things like that. Um, what, what else like would you do that would help? Did you just not try not to think about all that stuff? Did you just maybe, maybe in general getting better too, that probably just helped as far as, um, athletic goes. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I really try to focus on is the consistency, uh, and, and you know, 1% better, you know, what am I going to do today to make myself better for tomorrow? Um, but yes, you know, I think a lot of it goes back to the mental side of things. You know, if you can't control your mind, our mind is our worst and best enemy, depending on how you, you, you know, react to certain things, you know, how do you take adversity? And so you can be in the best shape in your, in, in the world. You can be able to do so many things, but if you're not right between the ears, it's really hard to, uh, be successful at anything. And one's true character is found on the other side of discomfort. So you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, for one. Um, you've uh, got to um, be able to control your mind and trust the process. I think that's a simple way to say it is if you're going to put in all this work and all this time watching film, going to the practice pen, working on your craft, you know, paying for a trainer, uh, whatever else, you're putting all this time into it, and then you get to the arena and you don't apply it, then, then you you need to figure something out. You need to figure out why are you not relaying what you've been working on into the arena. And a lot of that will ref, reflect back to the mental side of things. So 
on that case, maybe not having to change up your work ethic so much, but now, you know, who's your mentor? Who Who's helping you mentally? And for me, like I said, it, it's the good book, man. Going back to God's Word, you know, it's a living and active to this day, as well as some great friends and family. We got pretty much accountability group between a group of us, you know, there's Webb, there's Harp, there's Nate, you know, West, and there's several of us that keep in touch on a, a definitely a week-to-week basis, if not a day-to-day basis, and, and when we're going to events and watching events and now with the Cowboy Channel, um, you can't really hide anything, you know, so your consistency has to be so much higher, but uh, we hold each other accountable, you know, if we do something good, we're not afraid to pat them on the back and say, man, that was awesome, but if we uh, if we mess up somewhere, we ain't afraid to call each other out, and, and you've got to be able to be coachable. Um, you've got to be able to have constructive criticism, um, but it, it all goes back to trusting the process. You know, if, if, you, if you're going to put in all that time, work, and effort, and then you don't apply it when you get to the arena, you know, I, I've said for a lot of years now, my, my hard work isn't in the arena. You know, it's this morning, it's tomorrow morning, it's the next morning. So when I show up to the arena, the hard work's done. Now I can just go apply and have fun. Yeah. And that's the mentality that I want to have, you know, my training regimen, my film sessions, my mental preparation, I try to get myself to a point physically, mentally, and being exhausted that the chances of me ever getting to that point in the arena are very, very slim to none. So, you know, preparing for the worst and hope for the best, you know, training myself above and beyond what I'll actually uh, um, partake in in that arena. And, you know, so many people train to the point to what they're going to do. So when you're asked to do more, you don't have more to give. You know, the, there's an old uh, Marine quote that says, uh, you never rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training. And I think that's very true. Right. You know, so it's it's hard to rise to the occasion when you're not trained for it. You know, Kobe Bryant would always say, when you see him in those game-winning moments, the last seconds of the games, this and that, and you look at him and he's just got this calm look on his face. You're not, he's not being asked to do anything that he's never done a thousand times in his mind and in the gym. It's no different with us, you know, in, in the rodeo world, you know, whether you're behind a mic or behind a camera or in the dirt right. or getting in the buck and shoot, you work it, you know, I, I admire a lot of guys, you know, on, on our side of things, you know, you got Stetson, Josh, uh, Kai and, and Sage and even JW Harris is one of the guys that I looked up to for years, just their demeanor, how they go about things. And, and when they show up, people are looking at them like, dang it, you know, mm-hmm. they're here. And that, that and that's the kind of presence you want to have for yourself is you know to walk in there not not being cocky but have that confidence of you going that I put in the work, fellas. Now it's time to go have fun and apply and you know and, and you know on the bullfighting side of things you know teamwork and you know and, and being able to flow and go with with the guys that you're working with, man. It's not a better feeling in the yeah. world. <clears throat> Looking back. Do you remember a moment where, whether it be, you know, in the practice pen or at a rodeo where you were just like, it's, it's getting not, not necessarily this word easier, but where you were like, Oh, I, this is, I'm, I'm definitely improving. Like I'm starting to be 
be really good? Uh, I mean, there's several different moments where, you know, you feel that progression and you feel that comfort. Um, but for me, at the end of the day, I always want to, how do I code it? Uh, work like I've never won and play like I've never lost. Um, and so, yes, there, there's a moment years ago, um, to kind of answer that question. You know, when I was, you know, I threw a fake when I was in seventh grade and I didn't throw anything like that at all. And, um, you know, obviously watching a lot of film, a lot of repetitions. And when I was 19, we were at a school, um, for our college in Powell. And as I threw this fake and I was stepping through on this bull, I just had flashbacks of film that I've been watching. And I remember at that point, I was just like, man, you know, the, the time that I put into film and watching these different scenarios unfold, um, that's when I was like, man, things are starting to slow down. Things are starting to, you know, I, I, it was slowed down enough and I was controlling my thoughts enough that I could remember back to a certain clip that, that I remember watching that was similar to what I was doing and I, I just reacted. And that's the big thing for what we do is reaction. You know, if we think we're usually too late and then numerous times from my career since then, man, I'm, you know, working a hang up or working this, working that in a, a memory of a video clip is playing in my mind as I'm working the situation. And it just, it just kind of, it kind of makes you smile and just brings peace to the whole situation. Like, you know, you're controlling your emotions, you're controlling your thoughts in a, in a basically a chaotic situation. So I'd say the first time I, I realized anything like that was about when I was 19. And uh, just from there, you know, there's been several uh, occurrences since then where everything's just real slow and obviously, you know, this point in my career, it's slowed down to a point now to where um, it's just, I guess, peaceful out there for us. Right. Right. I know I know you're talking about watching film, and I know there's a lot of young bullfighters that are obviously they're watching you, they're watching Nate, they're watching Cody. Um, what are some of the young bullfighters that you've seen or maybe you've gotten to work with where you really like their style, the way that they're coming up, the way that they're doing things. Who are some of the young bullfighters that you think are going to be very successful coming up the ladder here in the next few years? Yeah, you know, the first kid that really comes to mind is a kid named Austin Ashley. Um, he's from Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I, I really started seeing him a lot. He came up to the night rodeo for Maury Tate a few years back. Um, the kid is just, you know, he's – he's been around Webster's place a lot. He's worked a lot of cattle and, uh, you know, he's really just got a great set of fundamentals, just really got a good head on his shoulders. He fights bulls good protection and freestyle. Um, he's, he's kind of the, I'd say the top dog in the younger, younger guys in my, in my opinion. Um, he's got a lot of things going right. Um, he's doing a lot of things right. Um, you know, and then there's, uh, there's another kid, uh, 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 Shane Jennings, Kelly Jennings boy up from Idaho. The kid, uh, he's a big, tough guy. Um, he's really, uh, starting to make a pretty good career for himself. 
you know, there's another young kid knocks done. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's some other younger guys that I don't know a whole lot about. Um, but just off the top of my mind and off the top of my head, um, those three, you know, I, I think have got a, a, a great future ahead of them. We got a lot of good things going. Um, I think they're doing things right. Uh, Fight Bull's good, and I, I've been around him enough too to where, you know, Rex Dunn, one of my mentors, uh, he always used to say, you know, a kid's pretty handy until he gets his egg cracked, and 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 that that'll tell a lot about him after that they get in a bad wreck. And I've seen all of them <clears throat> get knocked down and and getting pretty bad situations and and pop right back up and go back to work. So. You know that speaks a lot of volume to me, and and that they're you know they're going they're going at it the right way, and and, and they want to do great. They want to be successful and, and do good things. Right. Can you uh, you know watching somebody like a, a young bullfighter, or just honestly any bullfighter, but could, could you pick out watching them a couple times and being like, yeah, he just that guy just doesn't have it, or are you? Kind of like, Man, oh, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, you know, you watch guys a handful of times. You know that you you can you can have a pretty good insight. Um, I feel on and it just really on how they handle certain situations, and you know, are they aggressive? You know, you you can't teach heart and aggression. Um, you can always fine tune other things and the fundamentals and and engagements and stuff like that, but. It's like going to a school. I tell a lot of people when I do schools, I said, you know, in three days, you know, you're probably going to hope that I can teach you everything there is. Um, and that's that's not necessarily true. I, I can, uh, you know, get them started and, and definitely fine tune certain areas for them. But at the end of the day, I, I tell people if they're interested in it or not, I said, get to a good school, one that's established, one that has the right type of livestock for you to, to, you know, whether you're a beginner or an advanced uh, kid, um, because at the end of three or four days, your mind is going to tell you if this is what you want to do for a living. Now you may not come out and say, no, I'm not cut out for this or yes, I am or whatever, but deep down inside you'll know. And like I said, you know, we can, we can see a lot in guys in schools, um, but I've also seen, you know, guys go to schools and not do very good. And then a year down the road, they really flip a switch, you know, and, and you know, that's kind of my story when I was a kid, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I, I went through a handful of years there where I didn't know where fear or nerves or anything was. And then I, you know, got in a bad wreck and, you know, it took me probably a solid year to really crawl out of that and, and really control my mind and my thought process through it all. And, and so you can, you can overcome the adversity of the challenges that you want, but it just really comes down to how much you want it, how bad you want it and what you're willing to, to do to get it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you can see a little bit about them. Uh, obviously if you see guys several times, you can, you know, definitely kind of pinpoint, you know, kind of where you think they're going to fall in the spectrum. But, um, you know, those young kids that I mentioned, you know, I've seen them, you know, I've known them for a long time, but I've seen them through several situations and, you know, keep in touch with them and, you know, and where, where they were at three or four years ago to where they're at, you know, they're con continually uh, to progress and move forward. So, you know, if there's no progression over two, three, four years, then, you know, that kind of tells a story, it's a story of itself. But if they're getting some progression and getting more jobs, more events and 
more exposure than, uh, you know, they got to be doing something right. Right. You ever, uh, you ever get a, uh, a guy in there that's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here, but I, I'm already good. Like I, I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, how good I am. You kind of like, oh, I, yeah, you, you, know, you run into some guys in schools and, and, and you got to kind of understand it to a little point or a little bit because I remember when I was young and if I had some videos that were what I thought were kind of cool, I mean, you want to, you want to show them to your know, mentors or your heroes or whatever, but there's a point too, to where, you know, you, you just kind of got to show up and, and do the work. Um, you know, there's a Daryl Diefenbach years ago, he told me, said tuck as good as you fight bulls he said just keep your nose to the ground and fight bulls let it speak for itself and and yeah. i like action to do the talking over the talking uh, walking the walk not talking it and guys that <clears throat> show up and just go and put on a show and, and do their deal uh, you know bo sheets is another great example um you know for those you guys who know bobo he <laughs> he's not a man of many words um but uh he he steps into that arena and um, you know, is one of the best guys going to this day. So, you know, it's guys like that that I admire and, and I respect a lot because, you know, they don't need to, you know, tell people how good they are. They just go and do it. And, you know, when other people are talking about you, that's when you know you're doing something right. Yeah. I want to take a, I, uh, maybe the biggest sports figure right now, controversial. If you like him, you, some people don't, but Deion Sanders had a quote. <laughs> from their losses Saturday. And he's he was talking to his team and stuff. He said, I know all of you like football, mm-hmm. but do you love it? How much does that play? I mean, do you see guys that, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of people that love the lifestyle, a lot of people that love rodeo and love, you know, fighting bulls, clowning, announcing, whatever it might be, camera stuff, but do they love it? I mean, is it their... Is it their passion? Is it their dream? Is it, are they doing it for the right reasons? Do you see a lot of that stuff too, where you're like, man, if you have the talent, but if you, and I think that comes into play too, where you're talking about, you know, your guys's group or you're keeping each other accountable and stuff too. And they're trying to get better. They're asking for advice. They're asking for everything else. Do you think that there's a lot of guys like that too, where they could flip a switch if they almost humbled themselves a little way and like, Hey, you could be amazing if you took it a little more serious. Yeah, whether, you know, they humble themselves or, or put in more work, you know, um, you know, yeah. I agree with Dion on that. I'm a big Dion fan and, and uh, you know, there's a, a reel that's going around. It's just the voiceover of it. It says, you know, why do you do what you do? And it says, because I love it. And, and you know, it's no yeah. different. You know, it's, it, it, you know, a lot of people just want to be in the limelight. They want to be at the finals. They want to be, you know, one of the big rodeos or, or win certain awards. They want to experience what it is to achieve those moments but they don't fully understand and take in consideration what it takes to get to that point and are you willing to go through those moments are you willing to get up and put yourself through a workout that is not fun you know i'm, I'm i get labeled a lot that i'm a, a gym rat and you know i just like to torture myself and and, and they are truth. There's some truth to that a little bit. You know, I, I do embrace the pain. Um, but I'll be honest, there's several days I wake up. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to watch film. Right. I don't want to put my body through some of the things that I do, but I know why I'm doing it and the benefits that I'll have out of it. And it's, 
it's the love and the passion that I have for the sport that keeps allowing me to wake up and doing that, whether it's five in the morning, you know, whether it's, you know, 11 o'clock at night and, and doing it, it's, it's a love for the process. It's, it's embracing it all. It's start to finish, you know, and there's, yeah, I think there's several guys out there, not just on the personnel side of things, you know, on the contestant side of things. And I've heard yeah. guys tell me before, you know, about certain guys, uh, you know, I know what it's going to take to beat that guy, but I don't know if I want to put that kind of time into it. Well, I mean, at least you're honest with yourself, you know, so at the end of the day, yeah. I see a lot of people that if they would put just a little bit more into it and, and get outside their comfort zone, too many people are content with being comfortable and, and fighting bulls, you know, just on that topic, there's several times out there that it's, it's uncomfortable situations, but you've got to develop that mindset of being comfortable, being uncomfortable and embracing those moments and preparing yourself for the moments because if you don't when you get to those moments you're going to fall short and then you're you know you people you know don't quite understand or, or realize the time and work and effort that some of these guys are putting in to to do what they get to do and you know at the end of the day you know, I, I'm a big Tom Brady fan too, you know, or Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or Deion Sanders, you know, over time people yeah. uh, started, you know, not wanting them to be successful and, oh, it's somebody else's turn or time or this and that or whatever. And they, they lose the fact that, you know, several guys or those guys, they, it's not that just because they had a little success, they just floated by because of who they were at that point and the exposure they were getting they're still still putting in the work, if not more work than they did before. And people lose sight of the work that those guys that are continually be successful are still putting in. They just get narrow minded and watching them, you know, where they're at and like, Oh, it's somebody else's turn, this, that, and the other. But wait a minute, these guys are still grinding. These guys are still putting in the time, going to the film sessions, getting up early, you know, studying and, and being a leader and being coachable and still putting in that much time and that much work. So I admire a lot of those guys that can sustain long careers. You know, Trevor Brazil was another one, you know, I mean, he won 20 yeah. something world titles and, you know, several people were probably tired of him winning, winning stuff, but there's still probably not a day that goes by that he's still not in the practice pen after all those world titles that he won, you know, and, and, he, and he's semi more or less retired. So people lose sight of the, the work that the people or of those guys are still continuing to continually to have success are putting in each and every day. Obviously the NFR coming up and stuff. We all, we all like to talk about, you know, biggest rodeo of the year. So I, I, I want to know what, like uh, how the first time you got picked for the NFR, how, how that kind of, you know, going into the, Thomas and Mac for the first time and all that. And then tell the, uh, just last year, man, uh, it's a film that really never changes. If not, it, it gets, uh, sweeter. Um, you know, it gets, you appreciate it more. Um, you know, and from my first year last year, there was a lot of different things, you know, obviously the first year is it's a dream that you always had. That you never knew if you could achieve or get and, it was really 
<clears throat> you know, and I try to tell a lot of people now when, when they get to go to really try to embrace every step of it, you know, from the phone call to the two weeks of the voting to the build up to it, to preparation, getting your, you know, sport coats ready to getting family and friends tickets to your workouts, to the drive out there, to pulling into the South Point, to the convention, to the meetings. Um, I know that first year, uh, you know, there was just, it was just a roller coaster of emotions really. And, you know, I was thankful to have, yeah, uh, Diefenbach was there, you know, my first few years. And, you know, he also told me, he said, Hey man, enjoy everything. He said, um, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll make sure you're at every meeting where you need to be, when you need to be there, just enjoy it. And yeah. <laughs> so that was really, uh, awesome that he basically just took me under his wing them first couple of years and just allowed me to really soak in everything instead of worrying about doing this, doing that. He, he made sure I was, yeah. you know, where I needed to be. And, and so that's definitely a trait that I've taken from him over the last few years and, you know, any new guys that come in that say, hey, you know, enjoy it, you know, I'll get you to make sure you're meeting at the meetings and everywhere you need to be. So it's really hard to put into words that first year. Um, you know, last year was definitely different just due to the injury that I sustained in 2021 at the end of the NFR and a lot of unknowns, you know, coming into 22. Um you know, a lot of people didn't think I'd be back, you know, until mid to late summer. Some didn't think I'd be back at all. And uh, my ultimate goal really was to be back sooner than anybody thought. Um, and not just get back to get back, but get back and be effective. Um, and so, like I said, it was just a blessing to be able to get back by Reno, even with the double surgery. And uh, I just really, <laughs> I really try to focus on each rodeo as it come, um, each day as it come, you know, embrace it, um, really focus on getting better uh, physically more than mentally. I feel I worked on my mental game more than I ever have through the whole deal. Um, I just try to keep it simple that, you know, the game didn't change. So, you know, I shouldn't worry about trying to fix something. I just need to get right physically and uh obviously getting towards the end of the year and you know they're again you know just we're humans so you you think of you know did I do enough was I back soon enough you know I still worked I think close to 100 performances before the NFR but you know you just you don't know and uh you know that phone call last year was was pretty Oh, man, there's a lot of emotions last year. Just, you know, uh, you know, I was actually just getting back from hunting and, you know, I got the call and I was just, you know, I just teared up and just, you know, fell on my knees because, you know, it was such a goal of mine to uh, not just get back to fight pools, but to get back to the Thomas and Mac. And I didn't want to uh, let that an injury like that determine if I'd ever be back. And, so, you know, last year it was just, you know, the floodgates open. Um, I was just over the top, overwhelmed, humble, just thankful and grateful. And, and, uh, just like I said, um, kind of come full circle and, you know, it was a blessing to be able to go back last year and, you know, had a, 
a great finals and you know we got to kick start this year and I got to be back to all the winter rodeos that I missed in 2022 due to my injury and you know it's just been a a great busy year and you know I, I said you know it's we don't have to do this we get to do this and just really try to embrace and and uh taking each day as it come and really try to uh and uh just enjoy it all too yeah yeah okay so um <clears throat> we're to the fun segment in it so this is our wrangler long live cowboys and cowgirls question of the podcast if you had to pick, and I'm gonna, this is a two-parter. If you had to pick two other bullfighters for a three-man team, and we're throwing you in there, two other bullfighters to fight with you that are already done, they're retired, they're over with, you know, whatever, who would be the two that are already retired? And then two of all time. You can throw any two in there. They can mm-hmm. still be going. I know you work a lot with Cody and um, Nate, and I know those two are some of the best ever. But two that are done, and then your dream two of all time and you might have already worked with them and that's that's tough um to to narrow it down to two is is a big challenge um man two that are done um i'd probably have to put joe bumgarner in there i never did get to work with him but obviously you know he was a goat he you know worked pbr final several years worked the nfr several years he was just he was real artistic um, with, with what he yeah. what he did and how he went about it. Um, I'd have to say another guy that man, I obviously he was pretty much my hero growing up. You know, seen a lot of him, watched a lot of him. Never got to work with him either, but uh, I, I'd probably have to say Rob Smiths. Um, he was just yeah. he was just gritty, just tough and gritty. Um, yeah. And like I said, those two would would have been cool to get a chance to work with never did um but would be neat um two of any time golly man that's that's such a hard question because there's <laughs> probably at least six guys i could say um yeah ultimately uh the one that's pretty simple for me is web um yeah. you know the chemistry that i feel that uh uh, the two of us have in the arena is I, I feel second to none. Um, I feel we feed off each other. Great. I feel our passion, our love and drive is a lot of the same. Um, you know, we're, we never shy away from the sword. Um, you know, and, and definitely Webb's the guy that I know could always have my back and he just, fundamentally and mentally sound to a point to where he studies it to a point to where it's more than just going out and fighting bulls. And then the last hole, I mean, I, I don't know, man, there's, I can't, I'd be honest with you. I can't even narrow it down to one. Um, yeah. You know, because, you know, guys that are going right now, Nate and Harp, you know, those, those two guys are just, they're, they're, they're warriors. Um, you know, uh, Frank Newsom uh, was another one. Um, I think I could throw him in there. Um, I got to work with him a couple times, and he was just gritty. Um, you know, want to talk about a guy that was just cattle savvy, gritty. Mm, you know, he thought he thought more of everybody else than, than himself. Like it didn't matter if you know he was in a fiery pit. You know, he was going in, and yeah. so just 
off the top of the head, man, it's it's in my mind, it, it's a pretty good toss up between them three for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> how would you uh, how would you describe your fighting? Like you know, you use the word gritty and stuff. So how would you describe yours? If you oh man, I don't know. Uh, Hard headed. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I've always, I, I try to tell a lot of people, um, you know, whether they, you know, are big fans of Webb or Harp or Frank or Rex Dunn or whoever, um, don't just try to be like them. You know, take a little bit of, you know, Webb, take a little bit of Harp, take some of Smith's right. or Joe or, whoever and, and really develop your own style. And, and I, I feel, you know, that's how I've kind of come up with my style is, you know, I've tried to really take a little bit of five or six guys who I really thought did it right and did it well and try to develop my own style. So, you know, I feel that I've got some grit in me. I feel that I'm, you know, hard headed. I feel that I've got some smoothness to me. I feel that I've got some quickness to me, you know, so I, I, I encourage everybody to really try to develop their own style off of four or five, six different guys. Yeah. I like, yeah, I like that. <clears throat> well, sweet man. I know yeah. you're a busy guy. Well, man, we appreciate you coming on though. Yeah, no, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. We, uh, we hope, uh, we, we, at this point where we're doing the podcast, we don't know who is, uh, pick this year but i definitely hope to to see you again there at the nfr yeah, thing, yeah so. that's what we're hoping for <laughs> hey guys i'm dusty tuckness and thanks for listening to the stars podcast <laughs>